0: Let's do a top 10 list. Coming to you from Riverside, California, and podcasting since 2004, I'm your OG Godcaster Steve Webb, and this is the LifeSpring Family Audio Bible, the daily podcast where we read the entire Bible in a year. Our reading today is Genesis 4 through 7. And after that, I'll address some what some people see as difficulties in those chapters. We'll do a top ten. The reading is a bit long, and my comments are longer than usual, so after we finish those, we'll go directly to our On This Day in Church History segment, and then we'll be finished for the day. How does that sound? All right, let's get started. Genesis Chapter 4 Now Adam had sexual relations with his wife Eve, and she became pregnant. When she gave birth to Cain, she said, With the Lord's help I have produced a man. Later she gave birth to his brother and named him Abel. When they grew up, Abel became a shepherd, while Cain cultivated the ground. When it was time for the harvest, Cain presented some of his crops as a gift to the Lord. Abel also brought a gift, the best of the firstborn lambs from his flock. The Lord accepted Abel and his gift, but he did not accept Cain and his gift. This made Cain very angry, and he looked dejected. "'Why are you so angry?' the Lord said to Cain. "'Why do you look so dejected? "'You will be accepted if you do what is right. "'But if you refuse to do what is right, then watch out. "'Sin is crouching at the door, eager to control you. "'But you must subdue it and be its master.' One day Cain suggested to his brother, "'Let's go out into the fields.' "'And while they were in the field,' Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. Afterward, the Lord asked Cain, Where is your brother? Where is Abel? I don't know, Cain responded. Am I my brother's guardian? But the Lord said, What have you done? Listen, your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. Now you are cursed and banished from the ground, which has swallowed your brother's blood. No longer will the ground yield good crops for you, no matter how hard you work. From now on you will be a homeless wanderer on the earth. Cain replied to the Lord, My punishment is too great for me to bear. You have banished me from the land and from your presence. You have made me a homeless wanderer. Anyone who finds me will kill me. The Lord replied, No, for I will give a sevenfold punishment to anyone who kills you. Then the Lord put a mark on Cain to warn anyone who might try to kill him. So Cain left the Lord's presence and settled in the land of Nod, east of Eden. Cain had sexual relations with his wife, and she became pregnant and gave birth to Enoch. Then Cain founded a city, which he named Enoch, after his son. Enoch had a son named Irad. Irad became the father of Mehujael. Mehujael became the father of Methushel. Methushel became the father of Lamech. Lamech married two women. The first was named Ada, and the second, Zillah. Ada gave birth to Jabel, who was the first of those who raise livestock and live in tents. His brother's name was Jubal, the first of all who play the harp and flute. Lamech's other wife, Zillah, gave birth to a son named Tubal-Cain. He became an expert in forging tools of bronze and iron. Tubal-Cain had a sister named Naamah. One day Lamech said to his wives, Ada and Zillah hear my voice. Listen to me, you wives of Lamech. I have killed a man who attacked me, a young man who wounded me. If someone who kills Cain is punished seven times, then the one who kills me will be punished seventy-seven times. Adam had sexual relations with his wife again, and she gave birth to another son. She named him Seth, for she said, God has granted me another son in place of Abel, whom Cain killed. When Seth grew up, he had a son and named him Enosh. At that time people first began to worship the Lord by name. When God created human beings, he made them to be like himself. He created them, male and female, and he blessed them and called them human. When Adam was a hundred thirty years old, he became the father of a son who was just like him, in his very image. He named his son Seth. After the birth of Seth, Adam lived another 800 years, and he had other sons and daughters. Adam lived 930 years, and then he died. When Seth was 105 years old, he became the father of Enosh. After the birth of Enosh, Seth lived another 807 years, and he had other sons and daughters. Seth lived 912 years, and then he died. When Enosh was 90 years old, he became the father of Kenan. After the birth of Kenan, Enosh lived another 815 years, and he had other sons and daughters. Enosh lived 905 years, and then he died. When Kenan was 70 years old, he became the father of Mahalalel. After the birth of Mahalalel, Kenan lived another 840 years, and he had other sons and daughters. Kenan lived 910 years, and then he died. When Mahalalel was sixty-five years old, he became the father of Jared. After the birth of Jared, Mahalalel lived another eight hundred thirty years, and he had other sons and daughters. Mahalalel lived eight hundred ninety-five years, and then he died. When Jared was a hundred sixty-two years old, he became the father of Enoch. After the birth of Enoch, Jared lived another eight hundred years, and he had other sons and daughters. Jared lived 962 years, and then he died. When Enoch was 65 years old, he became the father of Methuselah. After the birth of Methuselah, Enoch lived in close fellowship with God for another 300 years, and he had other sons and daughters. Enoch lived 365 years, walking in close fellowship with God. Then, one day he disappeared, because God took him. When Methuselah was 187 years old, he became the father of Lamech. After the birth of Lamech, Methuselah lived another 782 years, and he had other sons and daughters. Methuselah lived 969 years, and then he died. When Lamech was 182 years old, he became the father of a son. Lamech named his son Noah, for he said, May he bring us relief from our work and the painful labor of farming this ground that the Lord has cursed. After the birth of Noah, Lamech lived another 595 years, and he had other sons and daughters. Lamech lived 777 years, and then he died. By the time Noah was 500 years old, he was the father of Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Genesis chapter 6 When man began to multiply on the face of the land, and daughters were born to them, the sons of God saw that the daughters of man were attractive, and they took as their wives any they chose. Then the Lord said, My spirit shall not abide in man forever, for he is flesh. His days shall be one hundred twenty years. The Nephilim were on the earth in those days, and also afterward, when the sons of God came into the daughters of man, and they bore children to them. These were the mighty men who were of old, the men of renown. The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And the Lord was sorry that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him to his heart. So the Lord said, I will blot out man whom I have created from the face of the land, man and animals and creeping things and birds of the heavens." for I am sorry that I have made them. But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. These are the generations of Noah. Noah was a righteous man, blameless in his generation. Noah walked with God, and Noah had three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Now the earth was corrupt in God's sight, and the earth was filled with violence. And God saw the earth, and behold, it was corrupt for all flesh had corrupted their way on the earth. And God said to Noah, I have determined to make an end of all flesh, for the earth is filled with violence through them. Behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Make yourself an ark of gopher wood. Make rooms in the ark, and cover it inside and out with pitch. This is how you are to make it. The length of the ark, three hundred cubits. Its breadth, fifty cubits at its height thirty cubits. Make a roof for the ark, and finish it to a cubit above, and set the door of the ark in its side. Make it with lower, second, and third decks. For behold, I will bring a flood of waters upon the earth, to destroy all flesh in which is the breath of life under heaven. Everything that is on the earth shall die. But I will establish my covenant with you, and you shall come into the ark, you, your sons, your wife, and it shall serve as food for you and for them. Noah did this, he did all that God commanded him. Genesis chapter 7. Then the Lord said to Noah, Go into the ark, you and all your household, for I have seen that you are righteous before me in this generation. Take with you seven pairs of all clean animals, the male and his mate, and a pair of the animals that are not clean, the male and his mate and seven pairs of the birds of the heavens also, male and female, to keep their offspring alive on the face of the earth. For in seven days I will send rain on the earth, forty days and forty nights, and every living thing that I have made I will blot out from the face of the ground. And Noah did all that the Lord had commanded him. Noah was six hundred years old when the flood of waters came upon the earth. And Noah and his sons and his wife and his son's wives with him went into the ark to escape the waters of the flood. Of clean animals and of animals that are not clean, and of birds and of everything that creeps on the ground, two and two, male and female, went into the ark with Noah, as God had commanded Noah. And after seven days the waters of the flood came upon the earth. In the six hundredth year of Noah's life, in the second month, on the seventeenth day of the month, On that day all the fountains of the great deep burst forth, and the windows of the heavens were opened, and rain fell upon the earth forty days and forty nights. On the very same day Noah and his sons Shem and Ham and Japheth, and Noah's wife and the three wives of his sons with them, entered the ark, they and every beast according to its kind, and all the livestock according to their kinds, and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth according to its kind, and every bird according to its kind, every winged creature. They went into the ark with Noah, two and two of all flesh in which there was the breath of life. And those that entered, male and female, of all flesh, went in as God had commanded him, and the Lord shut him in. The flood continued forty days on the earth. The waters increased and bore up the ark, and it rose high above the earth. The waters prevailed and increased greatly on the earth and the ark floated on the face of the waters, and the waters prevailed so mightily on the earth that all the high mountains under the whole heaven were covered. The waters prevailed above the mountains, covering them fifteen cubits deep, and all flesh died that moved on the earth, birds, livestock, beasts, all swarming creatures that swarm on the earth, and all mankind. Everything on the dry land in whose nostrils was the breath of life died. He blotted out every living thing that was on the face of the ground man and animals and creeping things and birds of the heavens. They were blotted out from the earth. Only Noah was left and those who were with him in the ark. And the waters prevailed on the earth 150 days. Well, family, there are several passages and events in these four chapters that many people find difficult to understand. So let's do a top ten list. We'll take them in chronological order. How's that sound? Number one, why did God not accept Cain's sacrifice, as we heard in chapter four? Well, we're told in verse three that when it was time for the harvest, Cain presented some of his crops as a gift to the Lord. Abel also brought a gift, the best portions of the firstborn lambs from his flock. Well, to begin, why do you suppose that they brought gifts or offerings in the first place? Could it be that God had instructed them to do so? We do know that very specific instructions were given by God to Moses for several different types of offerings when God gave Moses the law. Is it difficult to expect that God, in this very early period of human history, would instruct Adam and Eve's sons to give offerings with specific instructions as to what would be expected or required? And notice the language. It said, Cain presented some of his crops. Whereas Abel brought the best portions of the firstborn lambs from his flock. And the King James says, Abel brought the firstlings of his flock and the fat thereof. And many translations say words to that effect. The fat was considered the best part. So Cain brought some of his crops and Abel brought the best parts. It seems as if Cain was lackadaisical about his offering, whereas Abel's offering was wholehearted. You see, God sees and cares a great deal about the state of our heart, especially when it comes to our offerings. You've heard God loves a cheerful giver. That doesn't mean somebody who's laughing as they give. It's somebody that wants to, that desires to, that gets great uh, pleasure in giving to God. Now, note also that there's the implication that Cain knew that his offering was not what God required, because when God saw that Cain was unhappy that his offering was not accepted, God said to him, you will be accepted if you do what is right. But if you refuse to do what is right, then watch out. Sin is crouching at the door, eager to control you, but you must subdue it and be its master. There's a lot I could say about how to deal with sin right there, but I need to move on. God said, you will be accepted if you do what is right. Cain knew that his offering was not right. All right, let's move on. Number two, when Cain went to the land of Nod, who did he marry? If Adam and Eve were the first humans, and Cain and Abel were their only children, how could there be anyone else? See, there's the problem. It says in Genesis 5-4 that Adam, and by inference Eve, had other sons and daughters. So Cain married one of his sisters. That seems kind of gross to us, but at this point in human history, the gene pool was still pure enough that this would not be a dangerous thing. It was not until God gave the law to Moses much later that God forbade the marriage of close relatives. Number three, how could lifespans be as long as those recorded in Genesis chapter 5? I mean, come on. Well, there's two factors that could be at play. Number one, The purity of the gene pool. Much of the disease that plagues us today, including the disease of aging, can be attributed to genetic anomalies that have crept in over the generations. When DNA is replicated, many times errors can occur in the code. And when those errors happen, then the body is not what it should have been. Also, remember that the genealogy of Adam recorded here is before the Flood. It's quite likely that the earth's atmosphere was very, very different before the flood. Remember the description of the creation. After God created light and dark on the first day, on the second day God said, Let there be a space between the waters to separate the waters of the heavens from the waters of the earth. So there was a great deal of water above the earth and on the earth. This water canopy above the earth would have shielded the earth from the harmful rays of the sun and from outer space. There are rays that that hit earth all the time and were protected from them by our atmosphere, but back then there was much more protection because of that water vapor canopy over the earth. And we'll note that after the flood, lifespans decreased dramatically. Number four. How could all of humanity actually be descended from just Adam and Eve? Again, chapter 5. Well, one writer has estimated that if Adam did indeed live 930 years, and he saw only half of the children that he could have fathered in that time grow up, and if only half of them married and had children, then he could have seen more than, get this, a million of his own descendants. And using these calculations, by the time of the flood, the population of the earth could have been, are you ready, 7 billion people. After the flood, the population, of course, was only Noah and his wife and his three sons and their wives. Lifespans were indeed shorter, but given the example here of Adam and Eve, it is not hard to see how the population would have quickly recovered and Today we have, what, not quite 8 billion people on the planet. I think that's correct. I could be wrong there. All right, number five. What in the world are the sons of God, or the Nephilim? Chapter six. Well, the phrase sons of God occurs only three other times in the Old Testament. We've already read two of them in Job. Job 1.6 and Job 2.1. And then it occurs again in Job 38.7. And it seems clear from those verses that the sons of God were angelic beings of some sort. Translators of the Septuagint translated the the phrase sons of God into the word angels. What's the Septuagint? It's the earliest Greek translation of the Old Testament from the original Hebrew. So these translators clearly thought that the sons of God were angelic beings we do know that some of the angelic beings, including Satan, rebelled against God from Isaiah 14 and Ezekiel 28. From Mark 16.5, we know that angels can take on human form. And in Genesis 19.1 through 5, we learned that the men of Sodom and Gomorrah wanted to have sex with the two angels that were with Lot. So it's quite possible that angels in human form are capable of having sex. So, if these fallen angels procreated with human women, this could easily account for a perverted evil race, which contributed to the evil that God saw during the days of Noah, and why God decided to wipe out all of humanity except for Noah and his family. God wanted that genetic perversion to be eliminated from the earth. Number six, did God admit that he made a mistake in making man in chapter 6? We read in Genesis 6-6, And the Lord regretted that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him to his heart. Well, we need to remember that one of God's attributes is omniscience. He knows everything. But that doesn't mean that he is uncaring. He saw the evil nature of man He saw the pollution brought by the sons of man. He saw the violence on the earth. He saw the pain that mankind had brought on itself, and it broke his heart. It grieved him. When I see my kids do something that bring them pain, it grieves me. But in the almost forty years that I have been a parent, I have never once thought that I should have never had kids. I never thought that it was a mistake. God knew what was coming before he created the universe. He had a plan to bring salvation before he spoke the first words of creation. At the fall in the Garden of Eden, when God cursed the serpent after the fall, one of the things he said was, He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. This speaks of Jesus' defeat of Satan. You shall bruise his heel refers to Satan's wounding of the Messiah he shall bruise your head, speaks of the Messiah crushing Satan with a fatal wound. If God already had a plan, why would he admit to making a mistake? There was no mistake. It just broke his heart when he saw the pain that people were causing one another. Number seven, how could all of the species on the earth fit on the ark? Well, number one, it was big. It was 450 feet long. That's 150 meters. That's one and a half lengths of an American football field. It was 75 feet, or 25 meters, wide. It was 45 feet, or 15 meters, high. It was shaped like a barge. Now, if the ark carried two of every family of animals, there would have been about 700 pairs. If the ark carried two of every species, there would be about 35,000 pairs. Now, listen to this. The average size of a land animal is smaller than a sheep. Half of the ark's capacity could carry more than 130,000 sheep. So if there were 35,000 pairs, that's 70,000 animals. Half of the ark's capacity would carry almost double that. So that would leave more than adequate room for the people, the food, the water, and any other supplies they may have needed. Number eight. How did Noah gather all the animals? Also chapter 6. This one's easy. Genesis 6.20 says, Of the birds according to their kinds, and of the animals according to their kinds, of every creeping thing of the ground according to its kind, two of every sort shall come into you to keep them alive. Well, God brought the animals to Noah. Many animals migrate. So God just programmed all the animals to migrate to Noah. Number 9. How could just forty days of rain flood the entire earth? Genesis 7.11 says, In the six hundredth year of Noah's life, in the second month, on the seventeenth day of the month, on that day, all the fountains of the great deep burst forth, and the windows of the heavens were opened. All the fountains of the great deep burst forth. There were large oceans of water under the surface of the earth which was released to the surface that day, probably preceded by great earthquakes. And that's not hard to understand. We know of subsurface water even today, don't we? And remember the water that was above the earth? Before the flood, the earth had never seen rain. Now most of the water came down in torrents. Number 10. But wasn't it just a local flood? Also chapter 7. Well, listen to this. If the Earth were a perfect sphere, with no mountains and no valleys, water would cover the entire Earth to a depth of two and a half miles. Maybe before the Flood, the Earth was very close to a perfect sphere, and perhaps the earthquakes that released the fountains of the deep began the reshaping of the Earth that we know today. Well, what do you think? I want to hear your ideas. And I'll share some of the comments from the family on the show. Remember, I don't want you to just listen. I want you to participate as the family does. You are very much a part of the show. So comment at comment.lifespringmedia.com or email me at steve at lifespringmedia.com. Boost! This Day in Church History, September 13th, 1771. John Wesley, the Englishman who founded Methodism, wrote these words in a letter to a young Christian. It is right to pour out our whole soul before Him that careth for us, but it is good likewise to unbosom ourselves to a friend in whom we can confide. In other words, it's good to tell the Lord everything that's on our heart, But it is also good to unburden ourselves or get everything off of our chest with a friend that we can trust. September 13, 1845 The poem Sweet Hour of Prayer appeared for the first time in print in the New York Observer. It was written in 1842 by William W. Walford, a blind English lay preacher, and the poem was first set to music in 1861 by William B. Bradbury. Now, the person who furnished the poem to the New York Observer said this, During my residence at Coleshill, Warwickshire, England, I became acquainted with W. 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 Walford, the blind preacher, a man of obscure birth and connections and no education, but of strong mind and most retentive memory. In the pulpit, he never failed to select a lesson well adapted to his subject, giving chapter and verse with unerring precision, and scarcely ever misplacing a word in his repetition of the Psalms, every part of the New Testament, the prophecies, and some of the histories, so as to have the reputation of knowing the whole Bible by heart. Wow, that is impressive. Beloved, if you like the show, I'd love it if you'd go to reviews.lifespringmedia.com and leave a review. Let people know what you like about the show and tell a friend. Comment on the show at comment.lifespringmedia.com or email me at steve at lifespringmedia.com. I will read your comments. Come on, I want to hear from you. Until tomorrow, may God bless you richly. Thank you for being here. Thanks for sharing your time. I do not take it for granted. My name is Steve Webb. Bye.